Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Shaped by the Sea, the podcast series where we dive into the minds of seafaring individuals to learn from a new perspective. On today's episode, we'll be speaking with Tim Dolger, the founder and CEO of True Fishing, an app that's being developed to gamify fishing and appeal to the next generation of anglers. It's a pleasure to have you on the show, Tim. Hey, Brian. Thanks for having me. I uh, have a lot of appreciation for what you guys are putting forth to the industry. So thanks. Thanks again. Yeah, no problem. So, Tim, I figure the best way to start a show about recreational fishing, especially one where we'll be talking about engaging youth in this sport, is to learn how you first became hooked on fishing yourself. So where did it all start for you? Sure, sure. Yeah. So I'm actually, I live in a, a small town called Long Branch, New Jersey, which is about an hour and a half north of Atlantic City. Uh, my wife and I are like a nine iron away from the beach. So <laughs> not a bad place to be. Yeah, no, it's 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 nice. Um, you know, raised a couple towns inland. So I've always been around this area. And my pop had a like a 34 foot, foot Chris Craft um, all wood, you know, and always took us out fishing. And like, I remember as a kid, you know, even in grammar school, like fourth grade, I would invite the whole class over after school and say, Hey, look, let's go over to my house. Let's go into the woods. Let's break a couple sticks, make some rods. And then we can go into the garage and steal all my dad's tackle, <laughs> you know? And then, and then from there we would walk about a half mile in the back and there was a pond and we would go fishing for, you know, sunnies and, 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 and all sorts of things. So that's kind of where it all started. It was the influence from my pop. And like today, um, you know, at 49, my mission is simply to increase participation in this recreational fishing industry. Yeah. So absolutely. yeah, that's kind of where it came, came, came out of. Nice. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think if you talk to any recreational fisher out there, m- most people have a similar story where, you know, it's, it's a family member, a friend, maybe even one of their best friends growing up uh, that wanted to get into fishing and, and got the itch. And then you just went out and did it. And you had some kind of an influence on you that drove you to the sea. And, you know, you never looked back from there. Right. And it's yeah. it's incredible yeah it's it's really incredible how especially when you're young you can you're just drawn to these new it's just, it's such an engaging environment right it it is and i think you know people miss it because they, they miss the idea of why people get attracted to the industry or to the sport it's not so much that you know there was a father figure although that that was major but it's yeah. more about those mem- those memories. So even if your next door neighbor took you out, it's it's creating those memories that are going to be talked about year and year and year after. Hey, you remember when this? You know what I mean? So it's it's really about capturing the experience of a fishing event, and then that doesn't go away. Yeah, and it only gets better because now I got to do something new. You know? So oh, exactly. You couldn't have put that any better. And so Tim, now you find yourself working on this new app that's uh it's basically designed to modernize the sport of fishing to make it appealing to a more tech savvy youth today um so you wanted to just tell us a little bit about the app you're working on right now i think it's incredibly interesting yeah so i mean look uh unfortunately we're going through this 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 virus this pandemic um i think it's become apparent what social engagement when that's taken away how 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 tragic it is to the society 
So, you know, I've been working on this for, for many, many years. In fact, when I started it, it was a whole entirely different problem I was trying to solve. But understanding the market and, and delving into the, the industry, um, we sort of came out to this. And, and what it is, is like, I mean, in general, just in life, people want to be appreciated, right? So, hey, Brian, nice haircut. Boom. It's a whole different world. The next, you know, 30 seconds because somebody gave you a compliment, somebody appreciated you. So we we looked at the industry, we looked kind of what the problems were, and we decided that if you can create a challenge and a competition, if you can include the socialization of that outdoors, make it trendy, give the user some nostalgia, make it really, really easy to use and respect their privacy concerns, it's, it's sort of like... The, those are the motivations why Pokemon took off. Those yeah. are simply the, the drivers. So when you look at the Nike Run app, you look at you know Strava, you look at all these interactive games that allow this socialization, that's kind of where we just baked in those business rules into a wonderful sport of recreational fishing. So that's what true fishing does. It allows, you know, hey, Brian, I'll, I'll bet you X amount of points I can do this and that. And, and the video, so the app, basically records the event we're talking about catching recording fish, the experience yeah, yeah re- recording that experience that's that's what's going to be talked about you know for years to come so it's you know if you can make the app do that you eliminate any cheating um you know we study the industry it's like what's why don't you why don't you fish and it was like oh well fishing's boring okay well how can we not make it boring or I don't have time to go fishing. Okay, well, how do we eliminate the time barrier? So yeah. what true fishing is, is, hey, look, here's a here's a challenge. Here's a, you know, a, a scavenger hunt, a head-to-head. It's a fundraiser. It's whatever it may be, corporate event. But, <clears throat> you know, the app records the event and and video doesn't lie. And so yeah. nobody wants to watch, nobody wants to watch like Brian's three-hour battle with a sailfish. <laughs> um, but they'll take, yeah. the, you know, they'll take 45 seconds or 30 seconds of a curated crit, uh, uh, curated clip that really hits the heart. Oh, and exactly. if you can hit that heart, that's going to go viral. And that's the nostalgia that the end user gets. So that's yeah. kind of in a nutshell, you know, virtual tournaments, um, or not even the word tournaments, cause you get into a lot of legal stuff there, but virtual competitions and the gamification is really what true fishing is all about. Oh, exactly. And and so that actually just brings up, you know, a question that I have is, uh, and this, I, I want to reel us back here and talk about, you know, why you chose to develop an app like this in the first place. So kind of talking about what the state of recreational fishing looks like today, right? Um, I, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about, you know, what are the demographics of looking, uh, looking like with people, especially the youth today who are fishing? Um, are more youths today fishing than were there were in the past or are kids kind of uh, more, a more tech savvy youth? Uh, are they becoming bored with the idea of spending hours on end outside fishing and not always catching something, you know? Um, so I'm curious what, you know, what drove you to, to fit, like what was the need that you saw uh, when creating this? Yeah. Idea? Right. Yep. So like, in a sentence, get the kid off the Xbox and into the tackle box. I know that that's, you know, kind of cliche-ish, but yeah. how do you do that? Yeah. Right. Because 
I, I mean, I spent a lot of time in high schools, uh, in Marine academies and things of this nature. And, you know, during the class breaks, you can't get any eye time with the kids because they're in the hallways looking at their device, right? Yeah. So this is a challenge. It's like, you know, how do you get the kid off these devices and out into nature? So, you know, again, that's how Pokemon did it. They they yeah. created that that challenge. And so, you know, in the U.S., it's like, you know, I... I, I, full disclosure, I failed stats in college twice, and then I had to hire a tutor to get get it done. So you can you can make numbers say whatever they want, but what we find is you know the the government and, and or a lot of the institutions they report about fifty million anglers in the U.S. Okay, so that's fifty million anglers. That's bigger than golf and tennis combined. It's kind of broken down into maybe seventy five percent freshwater and twenty five percent like salt or ocean fishing. But when you look at the genders, yeah, I mean, the genders are obviously male and white male. And it's okay. like 65, to, yeah, 65 to 35, male to female. Yeah. And then like almost almost 80% is white, which yeah. means black, Asian, and Hispanic are like way minorities in this. And so they're, you know my kind of core is like a problem like that is a opportunity in disguise. So it's yeah. like, you know, how do you tackle that? So, you know, and, and again, I'm just talking us here. I'm not talking global. So that 50 million is, is us only, but you know, states like Florida, Texas, New York, North Carolina, Michigan, Michigan has the lakes, you know, that yep, they're, exactly. they're, they're big on it. So the demographics <clears throat> can use improvement on ethnicity the demographics could use improvement on gender. Yeah. And if we look at age, that's, um, that's what I was going to ask you next. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's basically 60, 40 below like 45. So, so 60% of the market is below 45 and okay. North of that is, is above 45. Gotcha. Um, you know, I talked to a lot of, elderly anglers and they're like, hey, don't bother me with technology when I'm trying to fish. Right. But then I'll talk to a kid and he's like, look, man, if I don't have my smartphone with me, see you later. Yeah. It's, it's two so, different worlds. Exactly. And, and you mentioned, uh, yeah. not, not to disclose ages and everything, but you said it earlier, you're, you know, you're around 50, you know, I'm, I'm 27. I remember growing up, I was on the cusp of kind of this whole technology, social media revolution. Um, when I was in high school, that's when Facebook started to come out. And, you know, so I didn't, uh, I didn't grow up with it when I was, you know, in elementary school and being very young. And those to that to me was the time when I developed these relationships with my my going fishing with my dad, my neighbor and my friends, where we were just spending time outdoors. And, you know, there there was never this distraction of a cell phone yet, because it wasn't no, it, it wasn't widely used. But um, but now today, yeah, that's that's what you see is uh, I've I've taught in some high school uh, settings, I've taught in elementary school settings, uh, outdoor education, and you see these kids are it, it's really the the new challenge is they're going to be glued to their phones. So how do you either uh, limit limit the exp like their distraction to these phones, or how do you use it to help you know teach them? to connect with the outdoors and to connect with these, these topics like fishing and, and marine science. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm curious if, so, so have you seen, this is one other trend I'm interested to hear from you is, uh, 
how have that that younger demographic of fishers how has that changed are are there over the years have less young kids been uh interested in recreational fishing or is it kind of is it still moving forward so i have a gut feeling right i don't have stats i don't have any kind of anecdotal you know report on this but um my gut tells me that the the percentage of youth new you know entering into fishing for the first time is decreasing gotcha. and, and the use to, the use of digital um games is increasing yeah that's a guess that's a total guess so just you know full disclosure but um but we'll see those stats because there's amazing initiatives on the public private sector government sectors to increase this 50 million or 49 million to 60 million in 60 months are, are you familiar with the 60 and 60 program by no, rbff I, I haven't actually heard of that um if you want to tell a little bit more about that that would be awesome yeah, it's just a recreational um, RBFF, Re- recreational boating and fishing foundation, nice. along with all of all of their partners, which is the American Sport Fish Association, and I mean it goes down to you know folks like Patagonia or Guy Harvey, and everybody is in this initiative to increase fishing participation from the forty-nine or fifty million to sixty million in sixty months. So I think that's okay. like December of 20. Yeah. So there's just a wealth of resources coming in to influence youth to get into the game and also influence the top of the pyramid, which would be the older folks to, to not drop off. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I have a lot, I have a lot of faith in the future of fishing in the fact that I feel these numbers are, well, I mean, I already see it this summer. The numbers are gone through the roof. So yeah. That, again, this is not scientific data. This is just opinion. But, um, you know, with this COVID issue, I think you can't even get a boat anymore because you got to put it on you know, order to be built. That's how <laughs> that's that's how crazy it is right now. Yeah. But, um, bait and tackle stores, you know, sold out. You know, it's like, whoa, because people need to get outside. That's true. Actually, I've seen a lot of that. Um, people. It's interesting, Derek. I want to come back to how COVID um, is is affecting the fishing industry a little bit later, but I also want to talk about right now while we have while we're while we're speaking about the youth, um, I want to talk a little bit about the the opportunity. So, youth today, I mean, we see it all the time. Uh, the the worries about the impact of technology on the health of children today, right? Um, is too much screen yeah. time going to make them less active? Uh, it makes it, they're talking about social media making teens and, and young people more anxious. Um, and one thing that's that I think is incredible about fishing and just being by the ocean in general is that it, it absolutely can improve your mental health, which I think is the key, um, and your physical health too, just spending more time out, outdoors. Like when people go fishing and connect with the outdoors, you're generally happier when you come back to the dock. I mean, right? Yeah, I mean, it really, it really has a lot of health benefits. Um, and these, you know, health based motives lead players and, and participants of at least our app to spend more time outdoors. And that just all corresponds to being a happier person. I mean, we talked about 
if you can create something that has a challenge and a competition, but also includes socializing, um, it's kind of trendy and it gives them nostalgia. It's easy to use and you become a happier person. So, you know, we studied like weird things like psychology, the gratification of people to, to tell a story. Yeah. 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 That, that, that's why, that's why Facebook is Facebook. It's, be, it's because it lets and people so, to tell their story online and, and connect with it other lets people, people tell their story. And, and, and you're sort of like, wow, you know, this is what I do. This is me. This is it's 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 the new way to kind of represent who you are. Now, I know, you know, there's a lot of people on on these platforms that, you know, create these fictitious stories of their lives. But where we're at is video doesn't lie. Yeah. So this is the real this is the real deal. That's very true. And that is it goes back to appreciation, you know? So, Hey, Brian, nice haircut, Uh, you know, Hey, Brian, nice fish that you just caught that Brown speckled trout in the middle of Appalachia. Um, That's kind of cool. And it makes you happier. Um, It's true. It's true. I, you know, people compliment you. That's, that's actually something I want to dive into as well right now is um, with, so one of the things that I've seen happen with uh, the onset of technology you know, like everyone having a smartphone on them all the time um, and Instagram and Facebook is that in the world of fishing, people are documenting everything that they catch, right? Like people, people will, you, the first thing that you do when you catch a fish is you, you get your buddy to take a picture of you or, right. Or, or, you know, you got people nowadays, I see people uh, fishing with a GoPro attached to their chest and they, they document the whole experience and it's become a huge part of, the recreational fishing world is video and and photos, right? And it seems like it, yeah. so so that's that's something that you're directly engaging with is this this trend and and you know I see it online. Fi- the the fishing community online is very focused around photos, photo content, and video content. Yeah, I mean the the thing of it is is when Brian's out fishing, I don't want to interrupt his fishing experience. So go ahead, record it, submit it, and we'll take care of the documentation, right? So artificial intelligence and machine learning can tell everything about what's going on, down to how long did Brian touch that fish? How long really? was that fish out of water? Yeah. So now I can start to create really, really cool conservation things like Hey, whoever can catch an Asian carp and doesn't throw it back in the water gets five points each yeah. each Asian carp, right? You know, yeah. We know what the Asian carp is. It's an invasive Invasives, species. Yeah. You know, same thing with the lion lionfish. I mean, that's kind of more of a spearfish, but you know, you got your underwater GoPro, you know, you just speared, you know, 15 lionfish, you should get, you know, points accordingly. So yeah. Um, I don't want people to stop in the middle of their fishing adventure to do the documentation. I would rather use artificial intelligence to do the lion's share of that. And then the user can fill in any gaps missing. Um, but we also have a, a pretty cool, like a citizen scientist program where, you know, I said, that's a brown speckled trout. You caught it here. You touched it this long. It was out of the water this long. You returned it back into the water. So you did the release, but I'm like 98% positive that all that's correct. Yeah. What about that 2%? That 2% is a big deal when, you know, competitive fishing comes involved. So that's where we buffered it in with a, like a citizen scientist program where academia can then review this and manually teach the machine to get smarter. 
Yeah, that's that's very true. Um, and that's that's exactly what people are using AI for nowadays. And I mean that yep. that that was that was going to be my next. What I wanted to jump into next was talking about the applications for citizen science with an app like this that uses photo and video content to document a fishing experience and wildlife. Right. So you know, just just the, there's a lot of uh, a lot of wildlife photographers have are, are highly engaged in citizen science, and I think. I think fishermen, this is just a personal opinion of mine, but I think fishermen are just a little bit behind, like let's say the birding community or the uh, other outdoor uh, wildlife communities um, in document, and they, they're not behind in documenting their catch, but submitting it to be used by researchers, I would say. You know, I'm, I would say that the average fisher, you know, doesn't know that they can submit, you know, uh, their catch data, uh, data being, you know, photos to scientists working to, to figure out uh, what are, how many people are recreational fishing, how many people are pulling out X amount of this species of fish from our waters. Um, I think that you're an app like this where you're, you're engaging the recreational fishing community to, in a fun way to submit their photos. I think it, it has you know, incredible applications in terms of being able to contribute to science. Yeah, I mean, it really does. You, if you look at it here specifically in the U.S., I mean, there are marine academies of, you know, I deal with up the street. It's uh, it's called the Marine Academy of Science and Technology. It's kind of an advanced high school for folks that are likely to go into the Coast Guard or um, things of that nature. And I mean, they're just they're they're yearning for things to do. So if are you familiar with with like um, Mechanical Turk? from Amazon. No, no, I'm not, I'm not. What is What is that? So, so it's almost like a, a crowdsourced way to get really tough jobs done. So, okay. you know, what is this, what is this species? It's either a brown speckled trout or it's something else. You know, we, we, we think it is, but if that video then goes to, you know, some citizen scientist that's qualified, they can make the definitive a hundred percent that that's a brown speckled trout. So yeah, it's that small task, that small task that I don't want to take off a of year day fishing that can be handled by um, a citizen scientist team that gets points for correcting data and yeah. teaching the machine to be smarter. So that's kind of how it it, it, the, it it ends up being a weird, weird world we live in, everything on the kids' side anyway. There's no such thing as a free lunch. They all have to either earn money or points or something. So, yep. okay, you build this whole system and you say, look, if you can put the cursor on exactly when that fish was put back in the water, you'll get 10 points. Now, that has nothing to do with Brian and his day fishing. That's all behind the scenes, right? Yep. So that's kind of how the citizen scientist group works. And, and we can get really specific by, like, how long you touched it, how long it was out of the water, you know, things of this nature. So Yeah, exactly. And – so one, one other question I have for you related to citizen science and conservation is um, in your app, uh, I, know, I know that uh, when it comes to recreational fishing, one of, one of the biggest things that we can do to promote conservation is to educate anglers about, you know, what, for example, if you look at, uh, are you familiar with the striped bass fishery up in uh, the Northeast or Mid-Atlantic? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's so, where I'm at. Oh, exactly. So, so one of the biggest things with the striped bass fishery right now is educating people about the the new regulations that have been put in place, right? 
Um, and if you're a new yep. angler, you know, that, I see it a lot where, you know, people can get confused with this stuff. Uh, sometimes people just don't know what, what you can keep, what you can't keep. Um, I think when it comes to an app like this, if you're engaging people, um, there's a great opportunity to, to, to educate them as well about how to, you know, properly release a fish, how to, you know, how, uh, when they're sharing their photos, maybe like, um, you know, how, how do you get the people that you're fishing with to understand, you know, how to properly release a fish, what size you can and can't keep, um, and how to, how to basically be a respectable fisherman. Um, I'm just curious if you, if you've thought about that in the, to include any of that in the design of your app. Yeah. I mean, it, it really goes way far beyond catching the fish. And that's a great question because, you know, teaching kids about the environment and nature can be really fun and exciting for them. Um, but this platform now allows us to do that. So here's the example. It's like, you know, you know, once we know that Brian caught that brown speckled trout, we can then quiz him on a multiple choice question for more points. Hey, what's the legal size limit for a brown speckled trout in your state? Uh, you'll get five points if you answer it correct. And there'll yeah. be six selections, whatever. So that's kind of cool, right? Trivia. And that way I, I get more points because I get street cred because I, you know, I knew my stuff. Yeah. Exactly. You know, you can use simple multiple choice questions. And it's like, you know, you can also set up challenges like, like, Okay, so Brian, I know all he does is catch brown speckled trout in the state <laughs> of whatever. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, so I'm going to set up a challenge. It's like, you know, catch a fish in each adjoining state from your home state this year and be entered into a win a contest for a new Ford Explorer and a, you know, trip with a guy with a captain on Wicked Tuna. Nice. And yeah, I bet yeah, you yeah. you're going to go. Oh, yeah. That, so you're, you're so saying incentivize. Yeah. No, I'm saying if we want to teach kids about the environment, then we got to get them out of their house, right? Because we're only used to that environment. Sure, I know this pond, you know, and I know this creek and I know this river, but you really don't know much, right? I mean, not to, you know, but the point is, is if I took you out of your comfort zone and put you in a different state, now you're starting to learn even more. And then I put you in a different state, you're even learning more. So it's those kind of things that, you know, the platform is easily um, designed to, to increase the education and, and to sprinkle on the conservation aspect of it. So like these questions might be brought to you by Patagonia, which has a vested interest in a healthy world. Yeah. 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 That's very true. So, and, and so you're, yeah, you can connect, yeah. you can connect these conservation themes and issues directly with the user of your app, basically. And, um, yeah, I mean, way, way far, be, way far beyond the catch. So it's like, okay, Brian, again, I, I, I'm going to kill the brown speckled <laughs> trout to death, but yeah. you know, hey, Brian, you know, here's a recipe uh, or here's a video on a really cool way to fillet it. Can you submit your video? Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hey, Brian, here's a really cool video on you know top top ten made Oprah Winfrey's list on how to eat a brown speckled trout. What's your recipe? So it's that engagement that encourages all sorts of education and, and conservation. Yeah, okay. no, 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 that, that makes a lot of sense. And um, so I want to actually shift gears here. So there's, there's one topic that I thought of the first time that I heard about your app, right, and what you were doing here, that I found, I, I found an interesting, or I thought of an interesting application for it. 
So the idea of fishing tournaments nowadays, right? Um, you know, where you, you know, they still happen, especially even big game fishing tournaments, right? People going out, catching tunas, bringing them back to the dock to be weighed. Um, and there, there is definitely some controversy, especially when it comes to big game tournaments about people bringing right. back large, you know, large fish, shark, shark fishing, uh, tuna fishing tournaments, people bringing back these large fish to the docks to be weighed and showed in front of a crowd. Um, and especially just because, and I'm mostly thinking of sharks, uh, cause I know that the shark fishing tournaments have come under fire just in recent history. Um, how, I'm not sure if this is something that you've thought about with true fishing, but, uh, is that on your radar in terms of being able to change the, just how these kind of to- fishing tournaments are run, right? Like if you, if my, my thought yep. was, if you can take a, a picture of a lot of a big game fish that you caught at the boat and document it in a way that is true and you're going to be able to get a real length and size on that fish. Um, what's, mm-hmm. why can't you just release it back out and document the whole experience and, and compete like that? You know, um, I'm, I'm just curious if that was on your radar when you were developing this app or if you've put any thought in any, any thought into, you know, these big game fishing tournaments. Yeah, no, that's that's a good thing. In fact, three years ago, when you and I first first met, um, I was working on this thing that was the size of maybe a Tylenol pill that would attach to the leader, yeah, above the leader and me- and measure pressure on the line because we know in these big game tournaments like the IGFA or International Game Fish Association, they have rules and regulations on the line test or the strength of the line. And it's, yeah. it's, it's rated at a, at 130 pound test. So let's do the physics. I'm going to catch a 600 pound Marlin on a line. That's going to break. If you put more than 131 pounds of pressure on it. So how is that possible? Well, that relates to me putting a hook in Brian's mouth and telling him to go run around on the playground until he gets tired and he can't fight it anymore. And then I'm going to reel him in. Yep. And then, you know, so that bothered me, right? Yeah. Now, ended up what I was working on. Nobody wants it. Nobody needs it. Um, <clears throat> but for the big game tournaments, like we go, we spend a lot of time. We go to the World Triple Crown Billfish tournaments. We go to the Mid Atlantic. We go to the White Marlin Open, Bisbees. But it's like now my machine, my my app, the simple you know recorder video can tell the time the fish was out of the water can tell the species can tell you know everything who who touched it when they touched it so that's it the video doesn't lie so that just disrupted the entire model now the older generation that is used to these type of tournaments they'll never adopt it it's like trying to you know put you know you know so but the younger generation there is no bring you i encourage your audience to go to one of these large big game tournaments and see what happens. The fish comes down. You have a team with a metal detector to make sure that you didn't put a sinker in the fish's mouth yeah. and it's got to get filleted. Then you got to look in the belly. Then people have to actually take a lie detector test. Really? And so, yeah. So like you'll see $2.4 million was not given to boat a that said they won the mid Atlantic because everybody failed the lie detector test because they cheated because they left the dock early. And so all these rules and regulations, I I encourage you to like, go read the rules of that tournament. It'll make you almost throw up because a, I'm not in that geographic at that time. 
B, I'm not, you know, I don't have the money to get on one of these things. You know, it, it just goes on and on and on with all these regulations. So if you can shatter that model by making virtual tournaments, I'll just say, hey, Brian, in the month of July, go do whatever you want to do and we'll see the results on the video. The, yeah. So so yeah. It, it totally shatters that. It's a, it's a fine It's a fine line. And you can't come into something like the White Marlin Open and say, hey, guys, you're the way you've done things is over. You just have to let time phase that out. But I yeah. think the smarter youth, the smart it's it's just like, yeah, the smarter youth is just they're not into waste. Yeah, now, it's very true. Yeah, just it's because there's true. more information out there these days. Yeah. Well, na- nowadays, yeah. when when you're in school, you know, you're taught about the effects of overfishing on the ocean. You know, you're, you're taught about these topics that uh, teachers weren't teaching back in the day. Right. And so people, people nowadays, they're, they're definitely hyper aware of environmental issues. And I, I agree with you there. I definitely think, you know, there's, there's certain people who you can never change their mind about something. It's, it's more of a cultural practice at this point. Right. Um, these big game fishing tournaments and, you know, the people who want to do them, they, they're not going to change uh, what they're doing. They don't want to change. But the best thing you can do is to educate the next generation about, you know, a, a better way to, to host these and going on going forward. And I think that's exactly what you're doing here. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and so actually we so I want to I want to I want to touch on something that we spoke about earlier on or we started to speak about what but uh this this wild and crazy world we're living in right now in a in a pandemic world right and i think i think something incredible has happened in the past few months and that is i've seen more people than i've ever seen before flocking to and and wanting to spend time at outdoor locations so you know people people hiking in the mountains people just wanting just wanting to be at the beach because that's that's the the best thing that you can do right now. It's the most entertaining thing you can do. Right. Um, and vitamin D, man, vitamin D. Exactly. Exactly. It's good. It's good for you. And you're outdoors. Um, it's, it's a safer place to be. And, uh, I think, I think the applications for something like an app like this, that gets people outdoors, I think right now is, is the time, right? Um, I'm curious if, yeah, what are, what are your thoughts about, recreational fishing in a post pandemic world. Do you think more people are going to be drawn to it? Yeah. So I got two disclosures. Um, Go for it. (laughs) So I don't, I don't know if you know, I'm a ex nuclear submarine guy, but I I spent a lot of time on. on, Yeah. So I just, you know, in the U S Navy, but spent a lot of time underwater um, in a submarine, you know, three months at a clip. Um, I learned a lot about kind of airborne contaminants and, and bio warfare and things of this nature. So that's the first down, you know, thumbs down. <laughs> uh, the second, the, the second one is I, I read Stephen King and I don't know if you ever read the stand, but it's the unabridged version is like 700 pages. It's, uh, basically how the world ends with just a few people surviving because of a pandemic. So interesting with that. Yeah. With that. Right. So, I'm. Um, I'm a little bit concerned about what's going on in terms of bio warfare and things like that. But, yeah. you know, how does, a, you know, a platform like this play in an environment in which we're in and how can other people benefit from it? So here's how I looked at it. It's like 
fundraising for sure. Right. So currently the American Cancer Society has 5K races and they have bake sales and they just they just don't scale. But with true fishing, they can put a challenge together for a five dollar entry fee and boom, it's effortlessly thousands of people from all over the world fighting for this cause. Yeah. Which is really, really cool. So that's how somebody like a nonprofit could benefit from the they they don't have to have the resources to manage the fishing challenge. They don't have to. We'll do all the scoring, ranking, and rewarding. All they do is just collect the money. Yeah. Right. So that's just an instant win for organizations that are in the nonprofit zone. You can look at other things like let's look at how large Microsoft is or IBM or any of those big guys. Right. So like, okay, everybody stay at home, but that kind of is beat. Why don't we just do a corporate internal event? Get out, get your family outside. If you're, you and your family prove that you caught a fish by recording it and submitting it to this challenge, you know, you'll get X points. And guess what? Those points in IBM or in Microsoft yield to something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So that's how court, that's how corporate can use it. And then, you know, like on the, on the conservation side, I think I, I alluded to this, but Guy Harvey runs an Asian carp bonanza, you know, for the month of August, whoever yep. can, you know, prove that they have dead, dead Asian carp on the, on the dock, you know, for each carp, they get a point, you know what I mean? So that's how we're seeing organizations use it. And then kind of back to the citizen scientist thing, I was talking to a, a, a group up in Long Island, um, a mom and a son, and it's like, the son came down with brain cancer. He used to be an avid fisherman, but he can't fish anymore. And it's like, yep. okay, well, he loves fishing. All right, let's get him. Let's get him in as a citizen scientist. He can participate in these tournaments. He just doesn't have to play in them. Yeah. So you know, from a person to person perspective, that's how we can th- those folks can benefit from it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And what, so one of the things that I've seen, especially in this in this uh, the the conversation I've heard a lot about of. It, and been a part of is what does a post pandemic world look like? Right. And a lot, a lot of what I'm seeing is a lot. And this is what nonprofits, educational institutes all have been struggling to, to figure out is how do we educate kids and get them actually involved in outdoor activities, but on their own and in, in a, in like a remote way. Right. And fishing, yeah, I think is a perfect example of, a sport that people can participate in uh, that is safe in our time right now. Um, that it, you know, it, you can, you can participate in fishing without the, the risk of spreading, you know, this disease to one another, right? You can participate in fishing. It's, it's solved a lot of these, in my opinion, it solves a lot of these problems that educational organizations, non-for-profits, Group, uh, groups in the environmental outdoor space have been struggling with over the past three months. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you think about the family play, it's like take your family fishing, record your events and submit it. Now, those those guys live together anyway. Right. So they're not contaminating the rest of the world. They're going to be on the same boat or on the, you know, on the shoreline, whatever it is. So it's kind of like it's a win-win because you're getting outdoors, you're getting vitamin C, you're creating experiences. It's going to be an experience you're going to talk about forever and um, you're not affecting other people. So it, you know, unfortunately, you know, with the youth youth, it's like they got to 
they got to win something in order to participate, but that's yeah. the whole gamification aspect of it. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it plays perfectly. Virtual events play perfectly in this, po- in this pandemic or post pandemic world. Um, and I think you're going to, you're just going to see that. I mean, connecting physical activities to digital platforms is that's pretty the next much. Step. Yeah. It's well, it's, it's not the next step, but I would say it's a bit COVID proof. Yeah. A bit, you know what I mean? Like riding your Peloton every morning, challenging, you know, 1500 other people around the world is, is sort of like the next social engagement. Yeah, it's 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 definitely it's weird for me to even think of it like that. You know, when you when you mentioned something along those lines, I, I hope I hope it doesn't get that bad. I mean, yeah, I really hope yeah. it doesn't get that bad. Yeah, but, but then it back to the submarine thing. Yeah, <laughs> but the nice the nice thing about this though is that you're still you know when you're on a boat fishing, you're with at least one other person usually, right? You know, some people I've seen those I've seen those guys fishing where they're driving the boat while at the same time you know uh, dropping dropping down fishing for bottom fish. It's you know. There, there are people who go out on their own for sure, but um, you know, you with an app like this, you're still you're still having a social engagement. You're still with your family, friends, whoever you're fishing with, but you're also connecting to other people too, and that's that's kind of that solution right there. It's, yeah, and yeah, yep, yep. And when when you look at um, you know the fifty million, like less yeah. than ten percent are sol- solo fishermen. So like if you look on our website, you'll see a a solo fly fisherman. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's like less, less, less than 10%. But the reality is, is that guy really isn't solo because who took the picture? Yeah. <laughs> no, that's very so, true. That's very true. Um, yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, and so I, w- I want to, we, we touched on the, we're, we're touching on a lot of topics here that I, I find super interesting. And one of them that I want to come back to again here is, uh, is the idea of getting new audiences involved with fishing, right? Um, like you, you mentioned earlier, most uh, when you look at the demographics of the fishing community, uh, the recreational fishing community, it's mostly you, you. You said white males, right? That's that makes up the majority of it. Um, and I yeah. think I truly think fishing, fishing, it, it's not necessarily like there. There are ways to fish. You if you're if you're coming from an underprivileged community or you don't have very much money, um, you can find ways to, to fish, right? Like really, realistically, you don't need a boat. You can fish from land. Um, that I, I think it's just getting people interested in it, uh, to actually, to take that step and try it out. Um, I'm just curious, you know, when you were developing this app and just in your, in your experiences, recreationally fishing, how do you think we we diversify the sport. How do we get more people um, from different backgrounds, different ethnicities, um, different income levels to, to participate in the sport of fishing? Sure. Yeah, no, that's, that's the key. It's like, how do you get new entrances into, and specifically minorities that don't uh, participate in the sport or, you know, you look at like some cities like internal Detroit, where these people could really use, you know, some vitamin D and get it out in nature, but they don't have the money to do it or the resources to do it. So yeah, we're, we're seeing an amazing um, uptick in, you know, how can I go fishing? Where can I go fishing? And who can I go fishing with? And that's brought to you again by like 
the American Sport Fish Association and RBFF, where they have programs like Take a Kid Fishing and um, things of this nature. So the, that whole 60 and 60 initiative is designed to create awareness in the Spanish and black communities and the, the underprivileged cities to get people to, if they didn't have the money to jump on a boat or be with a family that's going to go fishing. So I think that that's helpful, but what, what I'm saying is kind of viral in what we build is like, again, Brian catches this, this, this fish. It took him, you know, four minutes to get in. We curated that beautiful experience into 30, 45 seconds worth of awesomeness. And now it goes viral. So somebody sees it that doesn't yeah. fish and they're like, damn, I, I got to do that. Yeah. Right. Because it's, it's sharing that it, it's the same reason why people got affected on Pokemon. Now, look, I don't, I don't want to go around catching Pokemon. Right. But my, <laughs> my neighbor got like, they got like seven of them yesterday. So I got to at least get seven. Yeah. So that's the whole thing. It's, it's kind of like when you share the experience and, and, and believe me, it's like, Again, I encourage anyone in the scientific community or marine institutional communities to like go to the business summits that the American Sport Fish Association puts together. The, the, the thesis of everything is the story behind the experience. If yeah. we can express that, people are, people are going to want to do it. That's, I, I think you hit the nail on the head there because, you know, I think, I think yeah, there, there is an accessibility component to why other communities and the other audiences aren't getting involved with recreational fishing. But the other end of it is you have to be inspired to do it, right? You have to have someone who tells you, you know, when you're young or one of your friends, one someone from your family, you have to see what, you know, how you can enjoy this sport and kind of what you're missing. And then that entices you to go do it, right? Like you, you have to be motivated. Yeah, somehow. but what, Sure, but what if I said to a to a twelve year old that you got six companies behind you that will pitch in, you know, five dollars for every fish you catch, and it will go directly into your college fund? And let me see, see your parents on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah that you know, that's the, and those that's where I'm I'm talking about motivating people to get into the sport for the wealth of their personal gain. Yeah, no, it's true. And that, that and, was one. And, of, and that's, that's pretty deep. Yeah, that, no, that definitely is deep. And that's, that's one of the things that you told, that you told me about uh, when we were speaking last week, you mentioned that one of the reasons that you, that you created this was to give people the, to, to give people the, a way that they can document these memorable experiences. That's what really stuck with me is that fishing and it's what you started with here. Fishing is a memorable experience that you share with people. And now we have an opportunity like never before to document this and be able to hold on to it for, for a long time in the future. Right. You can't, you can't erase a memory, man. You just can't, no. you know, it, it, I, I sit here now talking to you in my living room and in, in two corners of this living room are the props, the propellers of my, my old man's old 34 foot Chris craft. Yeah. Which, yeah. you know, that, that, that's just stuff that doesn't go away. No, exactly. It's, it's timeless, honestly. And that's the, that's the stuff, yeah. you know, me, uh, actually one of the first, uh, shaped by the sea, shaped by the sea podcast shows that we had, uh, was with my good friend Rocco Costa, who I 
grew up when I was in first grade fishing with. He was the first person I ever fished with. And every time, <laughs> yeah, every, good, right? and every, every time that I go back to Long Island, I talk, you know, Rocco comes over, we crack a beer and we talk about all the fish we caught pretty much, you know, or all the, all the times That's that it. we spent out there. And, you know, and if, if you look at it today, I'm a marine scientist and he's, uh, he's basically a professional fisherman. He works, he works on charter boats. He's, he runs his own, um, you know, webpage about cod fishing. He's, you know, we've, we've stuck with this our entire lives, all based off of those early experiences. And so it's, it's definitely a powerful, it's a powerful sport that you'll take with you yep. your entire life and you'll pass, hopefully you'll pass down to the next generation, you know? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. That's the goal, man. Yeah. And so, so yeah. And so, um, you know, I think, uh, one, one other thing I wanted to pick your brain about here, um, I've just, you know, I just got a couple more questions for you, but um, I'm curious about how it's been starting your own company and starting a business today. Um, I'm just, I'm mm. just curious. I know, I know some of our, you know, viewers are probably interested to hear, you know, what are, what are some of the successes that you've had, the failures that you've had over the years that you've been trying to make true fishing happen? Um, you know, what have you, what have you learned through this whole process? I know it, it's, it's very difficult. There's, you know, such a small percentage of, of companies that are startups, you know, are able to become successful and, and thrive. And I'm, I'm just curious what you've learned through this whole process. Yeah, don't do it. <laughs> um, I, 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 t I definitely tell people it's, it's not for the lighthearted. I mean, I'm blessed because my wife is a big supporter. I'm also blessed because um, we don't have kids um, you know, so I have a little bit more flexibility than the average person yeah. my age. Um, but I will say it's like the main thing I learned about a startup company and we need more of them in this industry is just tenacity wins. And like, you have to learn how to, I know this is kind of a cliche, but you have to learn to fail. Yeah. You can't get, you can't, you can't get personally you know, offended if you fail. Like I said, three years ago when we had talked, I had built this, this strain gauge. It's called a fight meter to, to tell whether your big fish was bigger than mine yeah. or your battle was bigger than mine because I could charge it. Totally worthless. So I had to learn those lessons. Yeah. So you need to know how to take customer feedback. So no matter, Brian, the, the whole thing is like you come up. I started this thing on trying to cast a man's line further here on the beach like everybody's you know they're going to throw their back out as far as they can try to cast it but it still only goes let's say 50 yards well what if i built a machine that could take it a mile and a half off the beach and drop it off and the machine could come back so i built that i built it it was called the autocaster well we yep. lost that it, it never came it never came back it's probably in in ireland by now but the point is, is like you, you had to learn your failures and for yeah. a startup founder or a team, if you take failures and turn inside, you're, you're going to, you're never going to make it. So you got to learn like failures are nothing more than opportunities in disguise. So that's a good saying right there. You know, you know, problems, problems, you know, why aren't more youth fishing? It's an opportunity in disguise. Yeah, that's a problem, but we need to fix it. Right. So so a couple other things. I mean, I, I would say the team, 
the team is like the most important thing. It's got to be like really well oiled. Yep. And one of the lessons I learned, and I think this is probably going back to my submarine days, but like the biggest chance of failure between a team is the assumption that you understood something. So I'm going to say, Hey, Brian, you know, you know, hopefully uh, you take the garbage out on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I'm going away for a couple months, but see you later. Now you're like, okay, Tim, whatever, you know what I mean? But (laughs) like, I come back a couple months later and they're like, you didn't, you didn't understand what I said. So that communication thing, I know that that's a poor sample, but you really got to have that team, like not only, hear what you say but almost repeat it back so that there's a comfort level that there's no there's no gaps so you can't have gaps and like and then like no matter how good you think something is no matter how good your idea is or your opinion is it's just that it's just one person's idea out of the gazillion people on the planet you have to get massive feedback you have to get massive massive feedback and that feedback might say your idea is garbage yeah and so you, there you are, like, oh, you're staring garbage in the face. How are you going <laughs> to pivot? How are you going to, you know, so that comes back into tenacity. Yeah. So, you know, if there's, if there's entrepreneurs out there that want to get involved in the industry, I just say, build a really strong team. Understand that your opinion doesn't matter because the market and the, the, the customer is going to drive the, the product and the features. And, you know, have the ability to be flexible on that. Yeah. Like, in other words, yeah. And and again, like problems are, you know, really solutions in disguise. So you got to, you got to kind of, it's tough. It's, and, and then the money thing, I'll just say one other thing is like to build that team, right? You have no money, you have no team, but you need to build the team and the team doesn't work for free. So how do you get somebody to work for free? And that comes down to the passion of the mission. Yeah. So you got to be really careful not not to bring in dead weight that's going to waste your time. Yeah, that's very true. That's very. I think those. And, and you know, look. I mean, bottom line, like you surround yourself with people that are smarter than you, and you're always going to do better. So yeah, like if you're the guy in the room that's always doing the talking, that's a bad team. <laughs> you need to hire people. You need to have people that tell you what to do because otherwise, what's the sense? And people think, oh, I'm the founder, I'm the CEO, I'm going to create the rules and regulations. No, 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 no. You bring in people that are going to help you, you know, with ideas and direct the ship. Yeah. That's that's a good team. So, yeah. yeah. That you're all working for the same mission, right? And you all have these. Yeah, unique, but, not, yeah. Yeah, but not, not only that, it's like the reason I brought Brian on board was because Brian's going to help us do something. Uh, he's going to tell us how to do it. If, if I bring Brian on board and then bring him into the meetings every week and say, Brian, here's what I want you to do. Well, that's worthless. Yeah. I can get, I can hire anybody to do that. If I bring Brian into the meetings, like, Hey Tim, I get, I get the business problem. Here's my recommendation on how to solve it. Now we have a team. Yep. Bingo. Exactly. No, I think, I think that's great advice for anyone out there. That's, that's, you know, hesitant to start up something or, or, you know, is trying to get into the, into an entrepreneurial business and start something themselves. I think, I think that's, that's priceless advice right there. Thanks, man. Yeah, no, no problem. And um, so I'm just gonna, I think it looks like we're, we're going to start wrapping up here. Um, Tim, I do have, I, I want to end with one more question for you. Um, and this one, sure. so this one, uh, I was just thinking, what is, in your opinion, 
what does the future of recreational fishing look like? And do you have hope that there will be future generations, uh, that there will be fish for future generations to continue catch, catching and enjoying, uh, enjoying the sport of recreational fishing? Oh yeah, I do. I do. I think uh, both both fronts are going to happen. That's this is my kind of crystal ball thinking, but I think we're going to see an uptick in participation, and I think we're going to see an uptick in conservation and the cleanliness of the earth. I mean, you know, for ocean, for example, these guys that are trying to clean up the ocean, the the world. I mean, the difference between a, a, the youth now on whether they buy a Pepsi or whether they buy you know a kind bar. Like a, you know, the kind bar, the nature bar. Yeah, yeah. Or whether they buy, you know, it's 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 a whole different thing. It's like they look at a brand and they're like, "Whoa, is this doing good for the earth or not?" Yeah, so that's a really good point. And yeah, and specifically because what's going on on Capitol Hill with legislation that is actually driving conservation, I have a lot of faith that the youth tomorrow will enjoy excellent fishing and and i i you know because the world's only becoming more transparent if there's no more salmon in the northwest because of uh you know whether it be an oil spill or some sort of contamination way more eyeballs are on that today than when i was a kid and yeah. that's my faith that the environment's going to do better and people will will appreciate the sport better because of the gamification and, and whatnot Definitely. Tim, I think that's I think that's a perfect note to end on. The future seems to be looking bright, uh, thanks to some of the work that you're doing. And, you know, I, I think the, the the next generation of fishers are gonna absolutely have fish to catch. And I think they're going to be uh, more educated about it and more in, in tune with the conservation of our oceans. So Tim, thank you so much for being on being on my show. Um, it's been it's been a pleasure. Uh, to pick your brain about some of these topics. Likewise, Brian, man, all the all the all the respect for what you're doing, and uh, and always appreciate talking to you, man. Awesome, thanks, Tim.